Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Welcome back to You Better You Bet, brought to you by BetMGM with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley on the BetQL Network. Bring it up, Jake. Ken Barkley, and you. All right, we'll get to all the NFL coaching news in a couple moments here. All our bets for tonight still to come. Award market roulette on the way as well. Ken, how are we looking with some of these golf wagers right now at the uh, the Farmers Insurance or whatever this tournament is? Uh, eh, could be better. So there's a. Uh... There's kind of a log jam at the top among a lot of golfers who no one would want to bet on and who probably won't win, which is a good setup if you have somebody behind them. Like there's no really dominant like top 10 player that seems like they're going to run away with the tournament. It's just not how it's going to play out. Uh, Nikolai Hoygaard, who's somebody who Tyler and I have like bet on in multiple tournaments, who's like an up and coming like potential like stud golfer who's won in Europe a bunch already is leading the tournament by a shot. And then you have <laughs> your your international cavalcade of stars continues with Thomas Dietrich, Matthew Pavone, and Steven Yeager. Who? Your three guys at 10 under. These are all international players. Um, so uh, you got Dietrich, Pavone, and Yeager. And then you have some more recognizable names, I think, to uh, even to golf fans. So like Finau is two back. Uh, the kind of like, I guess, kind of the, the story of the tournament is that Patrick Cantlay and Colin Morikawa were like really high up the leaderboard yesterday like at the conclusion of the at the conclusion of the first round and we're two of the like basically the two betting favorites in the market besides xander and they're like a combined like six over today and morikawa actually might miss the cut if he drops another shot which is pretty crazy he was like one of the leaders basically yesterday so your two guys who everybody thought were going to be really good were not uh, i bet morikawa to win the tournament he's not going to be really good we bet hideki matsuyama for people that want to tail us or just like hey what do you guys have we live bet hideki matsuyama yesterday 
Uh, he is at seven under, which is in good shape, like four back. Like, obviously, we're only halfway through the tournament, so that's really, really good. And then Ludwig Ober, who's like a, for people who don't follow golf, is kind of supposed to be like the next big thing, um, was pretty low priced to win this tournament, but has, has been like one of the favorites to win the last like five, six tournaments that he's entered. Uh, despite being really young, he played in the Ryder Cup. Has... And I've never had this when I putted because I haven't been good enough at putting where I could even have a stretch like this, where like he's awesome at everything. And then basically, and this you see this happen. It's actually like very like cringeworthy when you see it happen in a golf tournament. The golfer literally like gets the yips with like the putter, like mentally, like he is unable to make a short putt. And it it's like you like shiver as you're watching. If you've ever golfed before, it's just like, oh man, like you have like a two footer and you like lip it out or you just like the putts that you should make a hundred times out of a hundred Ober missed four of them over a two hole stretch where it's, it's like, it's just all, you'd be like, how does that happen? It's all mental. It's like actually really crazy to see. There was a really famous sequence at the masters a few years ago where Ernie Els, who's like an all time, like a hall of fame golfer, I think putted like nine times on the green. And it was like, actually it was like something out of family guy episode where Peter Griffin's like Mulligan, 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 like hits the ball around. Except that was a, that was at the masters. And it's just crazy when you see it happen. These guys are so good. You don't see it happen very often. Anyway, we bet him. So that was a really good result for us. Uh, they're both in the mix and, and too early to tell the bets of age. Very meh. If I had to grade them. I got it. Man, I, L's like it was like the first hole too that it happened with L's. What was that like ten years ago? Maybe it was. It was definitely in the first round. It was first or second. I was early because he was like an, an older player even at that time. So I, I don't even know if he ended up making the cut in the tournament. Probably not based on how he putted. But like you see it and you just go, like I'm. Tr- I I wish I could think of this. Is, I think this is something that makes golf unique. Like there are. You think about like Chuck Knobloch throwing to first base or something is like probably a pretty good example of something where the mechanics are fine, but the mental aspect of the game is crazy. Markel, Rick Ankiel with like the wild, right? Markel Fultz, Rick Ankiel with the wild pitches like a while ago, then he obviously came back as a position player. Like there, you have examples of it, but I feel like golf, you you do see it. You know, maybe not every tournament because you don't watch every shot, but you see it enough where you just go, it's so crazy. Like everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, like something happens and you do it once. And if you do it once, it, this is the crazy part is if you do it once, it way increases the likelihood you're going to do it again, because now it's like a completely mental aspect of the game. It's really wild. Yeah. It's just, you know, I, why I don't golf. Well, one of many rules. Like I well, never golfing's played awesome, but this is like golfing under tremendous pressure, which is like a lot different than like me chugging high noons and like, you know, driving the cart around, you know? You know, I just feel like my personality type, I feel like I would just get real. The times I've golfed, I haven't cared enough. And like, it's like, go out with my friends, have a couple cigarettes, have a couple drinks, enjoy myself, whatever. But if I ever like golfed, like even semi, like the way like Tyler does, or even so, I guess, I guess Ken, like when the weather's warm, the way that you will do, right? You'll go out, you yeah. play a lot. There, like, it would reach the point score. for me. Like, yeah, you like even, I you would probably care. Don't keep score would be my guess, right? Yeah. Well, I I have I've only played like less than ten times probably, but yeah, like if I if I ever started to keep score and like wanted to get serious and like wanted to be not like be like an amateur player or something, but just to be like somewhat decent and want to improve, I feel like it would just it would just eat me alive. I would be so frustrated. I just yeah, I just don't know if like that would go well yeah. for me. Very upsetting. I that would, yeah. It's, uh, it's I mean it's also very rewarding, but yeah, you'll. You have a good round going, all of a sudden you don't, the wheels come off and it's, yeah, it can be a, <laughs> it can be a very rapid decline once that starts happening. But yeah, it's like, I mean, I think Tyler and I both love to golf, but uh, it's just, you see some of this stuff on television, you just go, 
Like it's because every single shot these guys hit, I'm my best shot of my life will not be as good as like their worst shot of this tournament. Like that's how good they are. Like they'll they'll take you know whatever, uh, two hundred and fifty swings in this tournament, and I guess including putts. Like every single one of them will be better than my best shot probably that I'll ever hit in my entire life, and yet they can like Ludwig Obert missed like three four footers. And I'll and I'll make those. So I guess including the pots, it's not the best shot I'll hit in my life. But you get the idea. Uh, Tyler Morales, our technical director, is with us here on the show today. We have we have not tested his microphone, so I don't know if this is going to work or not. But I think Tyler Morales is with us. Hello, Tyler. Hello, guys. Oh, we got it. That, that's that awesome. was the, that special. Was as good as get. It was like <laughs> old Tyler. Was. Yeah. Tyler, um, what would you? And maybe I should ask Ken this question: Who's a better golfer out of the two of you guys? Tyler by a little bit. Okay. So, Ken, set the betting market. Tyler versus Michael Block in a round of golf. Just like 18 holes, stroke play, uh, like no other like handicaps involved, just like a money sure. line two-way? Yeah, money line two-way. My- Michael Block, like minus 50,000. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would bet like on not, Tyler. Not I think bettable. Tyler, like not I think Tyler would get yeah. in his head. I think right. Tyler would prevent Michael Block from winning. How would he? How would he do? That Tyler gets in everyone's head when he golfs. I would. I don't know. What yeah, he I just feel. Yeah. I, but I, I feel like I would get in Michael Block's head. Well, you would I'd get out there and be like, maybe? "No, I'd be like, I'd be like, that was yeah, a blocky. probably fun fifteen, like a fun fifteen play. minutes of fame, loser. How's it going now, loser? Sorry, blockhead walked inside the ropes at PGA Tour events. I'm sure you're the first person who's ever mocked him. I'm sure that would definitely be the case. Yeah, I've been getting his head. I'm telling you. I I want to see Tyler versus Michael Block. The people the people demand it. Uh, anyway, uh, you better you better hear with Nick again. Uh, Raheem Morris is the new head coach, Ken of the Atlanta Falcons. We don't know anything else about his coaching staff. Although uh, James Palmer of NFL Network uh, tweeted. I don't think this is a big surprise to watch out for Zach Robinson, who played was like a pretty prolific quarterback at Oklahoma State, um, maybe like 15 years ago or whatever, 20 years ago, um, passing game coordinator for the L.A. Rams, where he Morris was just a defensive coordinator for three seasons, that Zach Robinson would be the offensive coordinator on Raheem Morris' staff in Atlanta. Um, we don't know who Atlanta's quarterback is going to be, likely not on the roster right now with Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke. But, like, the, the rest of the roster is pr- pretty good. Like, the skill position players are stacked. The offensive line is good. The defense has a bunch of good players on it. Curious, Ken, like, what's your what's your initial feeling here on the Raheem Morris hire and how it'll impact the betting market heading into next season? Obviously, well in advance of big moves, like who their quarterback's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I you know, going into this year, they were rated like a very average NFL team. And they had a below average quarterback, probably. <laughs> they ended up having a below average head coach. They just played a pretty easy schedule. You know, look, are, is this a team that's going to win the Super Bowl next year? No. Uh, is this a team that can make the playoffs yet, next year? Yeah, absolutely. You know why? Because every team can make the playoffs, like especially at this point. Some of the teams that made the playoffs this year, where, like, again, in the offseason, if we had said, hey, you know, like Houston and Tampa are going to not just make the playoffs, but win their divisions. Two of the longest shots on the board go at this, you know, if the markets had opened, let's say it's two weeks after the season. So a month from now. Okay. Like, yeah, like Atlanta ceiling is the same as basically every non-contending team, which is to make the playoffs and maybe make a little bit of noise and ultimately like bow out to someone who's much better. And then maybe use that as a stepping stone for future success. So they're, they're no different. I mean, I, I just, 
I don't know how you could evaluate someone who, yes, had a head coaching stint, but like it was a long time ago at a different organization. And maybe that's predictive of what would happen here uh, when he was coached for Tampa. And you could probably speak more to that than I can. But yeah, I mean, first thought is, look, like whoever they hire and whoever the quarterback is, I just, I'm going to have pretty low expectations in terms of all of these teams, because I think there are a very select few teams that can win the Super Bowl next year. And look, unlike what Ken was saying about Raheem Morris and his tenure with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and at the time that Raheem was the head coach at Tampa, I was producing for Sirius NFL Radio at the time, Sirius XM NFL Radio, and Raheem did a weekly on the show that I produced, which was hosted by Adam Shine and Rich Gannon. So, like, I, I, I don't want to say, like, I know Raheem Morris. I don't. But, like, would deal with him a little bit, the Bucks PR staff, and, like, really, really, really nice guy, and became pretty familiar with the team as a result, because he's one of the coaches that we had on the show every week during the season. And he had a year when he went 10-6, and six and, and, like, big-time arrow-pointing upwards here for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it was really, like, like Josh Freeman's kind of career derailing that I, I, I think kind of led to a lot of, like, the, the downfall here for Raheem Morris. And the three-year record does not look good for Raheem. I think he's, what, 17 and... 31 as the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a 10 and 6 season in there. So I, I'm not trying to put this all at the feet of Josh Freeman. That's like not what this is about. But you would think with over a decade since then, and obviously I think kind of like the quarterback position kind of disintegrating the most important position in sports, he does get kind of like a decade to kind of rehabilitate, to kind of like learn a lot as a coach, I'm sure. There's no question about this. He is a dynamic personality, definitely a leader the type of person that people are drawn to. And I know this because I actually spend time around him. He, he's an awesome dude. He's the type of dude you want to sit down and have a conversation with. He's like a great guy. I'm not telling you that means they're going to win the Super Bowl, just that I, I get this higher. And remember, like, what, Ken, what we talked about yesterday in the wake of the Brian Callahan hiring in Tennessee. And right, wrong, or indifferent, this is kind of like what teams do. The Titans go from like a control freak disciplinarian who's like a great coach in Mike Vrabel, great coach. Now they go to someone who can't stop preaching collaboration in Brian Callahan. And now with the Atlanta Falcons, you go from Arthur Smith, who might be like a really smart offensive mind. Obviously, like my feelings on him are well known, but someone who's really gruff. Maybe not the type of person you want to sit down and have a, have a conversation with. Not the most dynamic personality. Someone who's going to lose the press conference and lose the media and maybe lose players in the locker room. Raheem Morris is like the opposite of that. So, like, again, right, wrong, or indifferent. Like, I think I understand where the Titans were coming from with their hire of Brian Callahan, Ken. And I get where the Atlanta Falcons are coming from with the hire of Raheem Morris. Like, the, the team is good. Just can they get a quarterback? There's no reason if they can get like a decent quarterback this offseason, why they can't be, I don't know, why can't they be the favorite to win the division next year with a good quarterback and that roster in this division with Bryce Young, with Derek Allen, and we'll see what happens with, with Tampa Bay now with Dave Canales having left, and we'll see if Baker Mayfield's back as the quarterback next year. Yeah, certainly. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with everything you said. Like, I don't, I mean... I think it's like hard to have a strong opinion on Raheem Morris, Atlanta Falcons head coach. It just seems like the way business is done and the way things go in the NFL and just like, sure. Okay. You know, whatever. Um, guy gets another chance to be a head coach. The thing I think is interesting. Maybe, maybe we can do it in the next segment. Maybe we save it and, and do it like more in full, like in, of all the coaches, maybe we wait until the hiring cycle is totally complete. Like when Seattle picks their head coach, for example, and Washington hires Ben Johnson, you would figure Yep. Um, when those things happen, 
maybe it's like, all right, of all the new coaches, like who's actually the most likely to win coach of the year based on like the hand they've been dealt to win. Obviously first year head coaches have a tremendous advantage to win the award. Looks like D'Amico Ryans maybe is on his way to win coach of the year this year. He won the pro football writers association coach of the year that was given out today. It's, I don't predictive is the wrong word, but like people that vote for that also voted for coach of the year for the AP. Like there's some crossover. Usually the guy who wins that wins. This doesn't happen every time. I think it's going to be really close. Maybe Ryan's wins. He won this one. I think it's going to be really close with him. and Stefanski, um, but a first year head coach. So I think the idea is like, all right, is there a D'Amico Ryan's for this year is kind of like the right way to, to think about it. If you've been following the NFL this year. My, I reserve the right to change my mind, Ken on this answer. And we'll see who Seattle hires. Yo, Washington, I think, is going to be really interesting, but likely to be starting a rookie quarterback in, like, a really tough division. I, I actually think it might be Raheem as, like, my initial answer to that question. Right. Obviously, Harbaugh will be up there as well, but Mahomes is in that division. Going to be tough. Uh, yeah, so maybe we'll save that. Maybe we'll do that tomorrow on the show or next week or whatever. Uh, on the other side, Dave Canales hired as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers and a little award market roulette. Our bets for tonight coming up in 20 minutes to wrap up the show. NBA, NHL. Tyler's going to scrounge up a college basketball bet or two for us as well. And we very much look forward to that. We'll play a little award market roulette coming up in a couple minutes here. But Ken, let's hit the other NFL news of the day. Dave Canales, Bucks offensive coordinator, going to be named the next head coach of the Carolina Panthers, who don't have a first-round pick now until about 21-42 after the Bryce Young trade last year. But no no, no first-round pick in all seriousness. This year for Carolina, the number one overall pick goes, of course, to the Chicago Bears. And Canales, Ken, obviously going to be tasked with getting Bryce Young on track for Carolina. Canales coaxing a great year out of Baker Mayfield, had previously done so with Geno Smith and Russell Wilson in Seattle. So he's pretty highly regarded, and uh, I think it's a lot's going to come down to how this offense is going to look. Um, any thoughts on Canales and what like this Panthers market might look like heading into next season? Uh, yeah, I mean, again, much like with Raheem Morris, like I don't know if it's possible at this moment to have a strong, like, I'm going to bet the over, I'm going to bet the under, like no matter what. Uh, for Carolina, I mean, you know, you look at the offensive depth chart on a piece of paper, and this is before free agency and before the draft, and got a lot of work to do. <laughs> Just like adding like talented players anywhere, any position on the entire field, uh, especially on offense. So yeah, the roster's terrible. Like he can, he and Bryce Young, like they, you know, that tandem. Yeah, like Bryce Young could play better, and in, in year two he could he could make some kind of a leap. We see quarterbacks do that all the time. But what should the baseline expectation be uh, that they're going to be really bad? And they're going to look they're they're going to play in an easy division again um, because even though Tampa like outperformed expectations, it's where Canales came from. Uh, they won't be projected to win like a ton of games next year. The Saints will probably still have the highest win total in the market, would be my guess, um, just based on projections going into this year and how each team played. But it'll be close. And, you know, you'll have some teams clustered in kind of probably like that nine and eight and a half range. That'll probably be where Atlanta and New Orleans and Tampa all live win total wise, like right around 500 or slightly better. And then Carolina is going to be fourth and they're probably going to be fourth by a lot. And that doesn't mean they can't win a lot of games again. Like think about how we felt about Houston. Think about how we felt about Tampa. Um, you know, and, and to be fair, both teams did it different ways, right? One team drafted a quarterback and one team had like a reclamation project as a quarterback and they were both still able to succeed. So, um, you know, ceiling is the same for all these teams like being a playoff team in the nfl is always achievable every year unless you're in kind of like an arizona situation where your your quarterback is going to be hurt to start there you have no chance of making it even if you have some chance to win games ceiling's kind of the same for all these teams 
And uh, and what I mean is like you can you can do some stuff and you can win the you can make the playoffs, win a playoff game, whatever. Um, probably can't win the Super Bowl. Probably can't make the game. And that's probably like a two or a three year kind of journey to get to that point. What's amazing is the more we talk about these coaches getting hired, and we we just hit on a couple of coaches being hired, like in the NFC South, and we just had Tampa get eliminated a couple of days ago, so they've been like top of mind. And the coach that got hired by Carolina comes from the NFC South, also from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers OC, Dave Canales. The bet that I'm most excited to place uh, has nothing to do with any of the new hires, but it's a team in this division, and we talk about it a lot. I, I mean, I, it, the, the, the Saints are really going to run it back with Derek Carr and Dennis Allen. I'm just like, give me this market soon, please, so I can bet the New Orleans Saints under this year. Just how are they, how is this team ever going over? How is it ever, Carolina can't be worse than it was last year. Like Atlanta's probably going to be better than it was last year. Maybe you get Tampa around the same, nine and eight, eight and nine, whatever. How, this, the Really, like the Saints are going to be really good next year with this moron head coach and moron quarterback. God almighty. It's like free money. It's not free money. But uh, I think it's a bet that's going to win, and I'm really excited to click just, the button. Just need to know the price and the number, obviously, too, because uh, I don't, I, you know, not up on my 2024-5 NFL schedule. Because part of the reason why the Saints win total was high, like the Saints, the reason why the Saints this past year were a really good bet is partly because of Derek Carr and Dennis Allen, but it was also because they were viewed as the big, like the easy schedule team. And like Mike Brown's writing in our chat, like you can search for it. Like on the list of things I'm not going to do right now, that's number one. So like we'll go over it later. But just like the last They'll year. They'll play Green the Bay, Philly, and the Rams. Yeah. The Green Bay, Philly, and the right. Rams, the other teams that came in second in their divisions. And I can find out what the cross match is. Like it the does, AFC it doesn't matter. division that's they'll play. Like, it doesn't, like, like last year was the interesting thing. Like they were the beneficiary last year of the perceived easiest schedule in the league. Like that's why their win total was nine and a half. Their win total was not nine and a half because Derek Carr was their quarterback. It was nine and a half because of the schedule. And I chose to bet under because it's nine and a half and Derek Carr's the quarterback. If the schedule gets tougher, then it's going to be eight and a half or it's going to be nine or it's going to be something different. And I'll be honest, like that's a way, way, way worse bet to bet under. Like they're, they're going to go 500 a lot. That's the whole point is that they're going to go 500 a lot. Like this team's just going to like spin its tires and have talent and never make the playoffs. Or if they do, they will be the seven seed or the four with a bad record. But, like, they're going to win eight and nine sometime. Like, that was the whole point of nine and a half being good. So, like, my concern, like, I'm with you. I would never bet them to make the playoffs. I would never bet them to go and do anything in the playoffs if they made it. I would never bet Allen Coach of the Year. I'd never bet Car MVP. I'd never bet any of these things. But, like, if the schedule dictates it, like, there'll be an eight and a half or there'll be a, a lower number. And I, I wouldn't bet under on something like that. Like, the, the, the great thing about this year was the schedule gave you the entry point to make the bet. And the schedule will do that probably with another team this year where it's like, well, how are they not winning 10 games with that schedule? Be like, well, I don't know, maybe because we have no idea how good any team is every year and we just make it up. And then it's like, oh, cool, we get into the season. Actually, we were all wrong about 20 teams. Ha ha ha. Be like, cool, well, the Saints were nine and a half and that was that was pretty good. So just I want to know what it is. Need to know more about the schedule because there's a chance they get rated more average. If they're average, I actually don't have a strong opinion. So they will play next year. The NFC South gets the AFC West next year. And New Orleans' extra game is against the Cleveland Browns. And that will be a home game against the Cleveland Browns, but obviously obviously not going to be easy. And their NFC cross-match is the NFC East. So they'll play the every team in the NFC South plays every team in the NFC East next year also. So definitely a tougher schedule coming up for the Saints this year 
than it was last year, and for every team, uh, for that matter, in the NFC South. Nick and Ken here on You Better You Bet on a Thursday. Before we get to the bets, next segment, Ken, let's uh, let's do at least one more here in a word market roulette in either the NBA or the NHL. Yeah, we can do one just to, that I think is kind of fun and kind of interesting. It's available everywhere. Uh, in the hockey, we'll do the the Adams Award, which is uh, – <laughs> we just talked earlier about the NFL Coach of the Year and uh, how I'm going to take, like, I think a pretty brutal L in that market. That's – that's going to be really tough. That's very frustrating. And if uh, if D'Amico Ryan's wins and just like whatever we revisited the hundred times, um, but Coach of the Year in every sport tends to be one of the most volatile markets because people's criteria for what they're looking for can be way different. Like I, oh that team's really good. Oh that team improved a lot. I like that coach. These are all three totally different things. And sometimes they lead to the winner. Sometimes all three of them are the same person. Whereas like most valuable player in the NFL, like, yeah, it's, it's the, you know, it's the quarterback on the team with the big numbers or in the NBA. It's like, you know, the guy who scores a lot and gets a lot of assists. Like we all know who it is. And in coach of the year for all sports, that can be much different. All right, so here's where we where we stand right now in the Adams Award Market Coach of the Year in the National Hockey League. The prices, as always, courtesy of our show sponsor, BetMGM. Rick Tockett, head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, your even money favorite, plus 100. Rick Bonus, head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, uh, plus 400. John Tortorella of hashtag Our Flyers is at 7. Peter, La- Peter LaViolette of hashtag My Rangers is at 14. Paul Maurice of the Florida Panthers is at 15. How about Chris Knobloch, uh, the interim head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, Ken, is next up at 16-1. to 1. All the Oilers have done is won like almost every game with Chris Knobloch as the head coach after he replaced Jay Woodcroft, fired obviously earlier in the season. There are other names on this list, Jared Bednar, Peter DeBoer, Bruce Cassidy, etc., but the names I read at the top of the odds board how are you handicapping right now coach of the year the adams trophy in the nhl yeah so it's it might it might be pretty straightforward but it but it might not uh here's what i mean the market is pricing things pretty much how i would right now with one exception and the market for hockey awards so we did nba awards in the first hour of the show nba awards there is no polling on anything except mvp right now uh, there was not a lot of midseason content produced, and there are a lot of voters. So even if there was midseason content produced, it may not reflect like the majority of votes or how people feel. So MVP is the only NBA award where I think we have like a clue what's going on with like really with like a lot of specifics. We kind of know the players that are in play. Rookie of the year, we know it's two guys. Defensive player of the year, it's probably Go Bears ahead, but like by how much and over who? We have no idea. Six man, good luck. Most improved player, good luck. Maybe it's Maxi, but has anybody said it? Everybody who's talking is saying not him. Okay, well, that's kind of weird. Um, NBA is just you're, you're, you're in the dark. You don't have a flashlight. You don't know what's going on. You're just trying to figure out what, what on earth is happening. Hockey doesn't work like that. Uh, for being a smaller market than any NBA for awards, meaning like the limits are generally lower. It's not offered in as many places. The level of polling and exactly knowing where we are it's really remarkable. <laughs> like we, the, we have better polling in this and better ideas where we're than the NFL awards. Think about how many more people pay attention to those. Um, or the election. Greg Wyshynski of, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN does like a, an awards poll uh, quarterly, something like that. And so he had one maybe about a month ago. Again, this is like a lot of likely voters, uh, depending on the award, because the GMs vote for the goalie award, Vezina, so it's like not always voters. But uh, he kind of takes the, the temperature of everybody. And then the NHL's own official website does a series. They did it last year as well. They're doing it this year called Trophy Tracker. And it's literally like their panel of writers every month votes on every award, every award. 
like you have a great idea of where we are on everything across the board. So the market is always going to be very closely tied to what those things say, because that's our most recent taking the temperature of how everybody feels. And this market reflects the last trophy tracker, Wyshynski poll, all kind of aggregated together. My question, I guess, is just going to be, so I think Rick Tockett is the very likely winner. Uh, Vancouver is maybe going to win the president's trophy this year. I think Boston's going to win it, but Vancouver can have the best record in the Western Conference, can have the most points. They were 11th in the West last year. They started playing well last year. They're awesome this year. It makes perfect sense he's the favorite. Uh, Chris Knobloch, the name that you mentioned, received no support whatsoever in the last trophy tracker poll. Obviously, when Wyshynski did his thing, you wouldn't, nobody even knew who Chris Knobloch was when that poll happened. I guess my question is like, we're kind of far removed now from those polls coming out. When we take the next one, if Edmonton breaks the record for wins in a season consecutively, I guess my question is not like, is Knobloch going to win? It's just what happens when that happens? It's just, it's an oddity. It's not something that you have happen in an award market. It's again, historic. It doesn't happen every year. Okay. Like, yeah, this guy wasn't the coach at the beginning. Yeah. Edmonton was awesome last year. So there isn't any year, like they're not even improving year over year yet. They're still worse than they were last year, year over year. Like and a, a coach of the year doesn't typically do that. So I, I haven't bet Knobloch at all. I mean, I have like a little bit of the big price, but like I would not even remotely cover the other positions. And I'm just kind of like hanging out, waiting to see like, okay, I I think this guy might be compelling. Like if they went 20 games in a row, like if I think I this guy might be compelling. They're three short of the record, by the opinion. way, for most consecutive right. wins in a season. They're three short of the NHL record. And play the Blackhawks tonight. Where so so very likely, yeah. and then the, so the, the 92-93 Penguins hold the record at 17, Edmonton's at 14. Right, and like a heavy favorite to get to 15 tonight. And uh, and so, you know, like, okay, they get to 17, let's say they break the record, and the next poll comes out, and it's, let's say it's, I don't, it may probably wish Inskeel to win at the All-Star break, that's in a couple weeks. Um, what happens? Like, is he going to, he's gotten no credit for anything so far, like not even sniffed votes been at a zero even though they've been playing they were playing much better even when the the last poll was what happens if they break the record and is this a candidate that can really just upset everything because of how he's playing there isn't another candidate on the board that you can apply that label to and if if voters decide this is not someone that they're interested in because he didn't start the year because they have mcdavid on the team because they were awesome last year and this is just getting back to where they were so is that really an accomplishment these are all reasons why he hasn't gotten any support so far but like that's a lot different than hey you know he did something no one's ever done before and like 30 games from now they're gonna go you know, 45 and 10 or something the rest of the season, something completely would have won the president's trophy. If he had been the coach, he's the only guy I have. I have a total stranglehold on this market. This is not a brag. This is that I'm concerned. I, I have this thing locked. Like I I've got every angle covered. I win a billion on everybody and I'm still, there's all it's, here's the rule of awards. There's always that one guy. There's always that one player where you think you have it nailed and then everything just flips and it's whatever. And I think it's Chris Knobloch. And until I like, until I see the poll and he still has no support, he's going to scare the bleep out of me. He really is. Cause it's like, he's going to do something historic. He'll get some of the credit for it. They might still be like a top three seed in the West. 
and he's a big price. And what do you do when that happens? And it's how much do you cover on him? Do you want to like make the leap and bet him before? Because once the poll comes out, it's game over. Like if he's really up there, then the price is nose diving. So he, I think he's just a really, as the win streak goes, so goes his candidacy probably. But if this thing starts to go three, four, five, six more games, that price might drop or at least in the next poll, he gets a lot more credit. It, it makes it really interesting in a market that is pretty uninteresting uh, before Edmonton went on this winning streak. And it feels like Edmonton unlikely to get any other postseason award, right? Like oh, McKinnon looks like like it. I don't think so, McDavid. So, I, I think McDavid has no chance to win the Hartree. I know he's and the like, second and choice. Like, right, but like, know. look at like, look, and I, I, when we're doing the segment today, I'm like, I'm looking at everything up, so I'm like prepared to talk about everything. McDavid's way behind McKinnon. Like, way right. behind McKinnon. Missed They're not games, even close statistically. And they were bad. And he missed games. Yeah. Like, McKin McKinnon is... He's more likely than the price to win the Hart Trophy. It's just, it's not a great bet because you're paying like a minus price and they get the award in July. So it's not, it's not a great bet for that reason. The other one I'd be curious about, like, what if like Stuart Skinner doesn't lose again the rest of the year? 100 to 1 to win the Vezina. On the other side, maybe a little more on the Oilers that will give you all our bets coming up for tonight in the NBA, the NHL, and college hoops. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. <laughs> Welcome back to You Better You Bet, brought to you by BetMGM with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley on the BetQL Network. We had five amazing guests on the show today. We appreciate all of them. Our friends Adam Chernoff, Connor Allen, Rob Pizzola, Joey Kanish, and our new best friends. We like started the interview saying, hey, what, what took you guys so long? Well, great. Hope Warren Moon appreciates the call next week when we ask him to come on to break down the Super Bowl. Pro Football Hall of Famer Warren Moon made his You Better You Bet debut today. Thanks to all our guests on this Thursday edition of the show. Our executive producer, Alex Fasano. Technical director, Tyler Morales. Our engineer, Jake the Snake Hassan. And our video producer, God's Perfect Creation, downtown, Mike Brown. Coming up after us, a four-hour live betting extravaganza known to you and yours as BetMGM tonight. Don't miss it. Following us here, 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern on the BetQL Network. We'll bring you all our bets for tonight coming up momentarily. Ken, give us a little bit more on the Edmonton Oilers and the various award markets here after the conversation at 10. Last segment on Chris Knobloch, their head coach, uh, maybe being live to win the Adams Trophy. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to win the Adams, right? But I just, he's the guy where, like, if you want the big price that's going to get smaller or the big price that, has some chance to beat Rick Tockett and I think who's like a really likely winner if the season just keeps playing out this way. There's a non-zero chance Edmonton passes Vancouver and wins the division. What the hell happens in this award when that happens? I mean, that's like pretty crazy. And if you follow that division, you know that that's possible, um, that Edmonton could in the Western Conference have more points than Vancouver this year. Could could definitely happen. Um, so I just, we're headed in that direction. I'm really curious to see how this play. I I don't want this to happen. And usually when I don't want something to happen, it just it, it kind of like at least gets a little close at the end. So I think that's interesting. You brought up Skinner to win the Vezina, just like really quick. Uh this is very, very, very likely to be a two goalie race between Connor Hellebuck and Thatcher Demko. Um, the problem with Skinner is he's just too far behind, honestly. Even if he like I'm serious, like if he didn't lose the rest of the season, I think he'd come in third. Like I actually I think that's how Connor Hellebuck was so good for the first 45 games of this year that writers are saying he should win the heart trophy as MVP maybe. And uh, he won't because it takes like carry price and that's it in terms of winning this award the last 25 years. But like Hellebuck's a very worthy favorite. Demko is the guy who has a chance to catch him, leads the NHL in shutouts. And they, and it's kind of a race between those two teams right now to have the most points in the Western conference with Colorado. So probably the awards coming from that just to answer the Skinner thing on Edmonton. And I said this, 
I don't know how long ago. I, I guess uh, when would we have done? When would we have talked about Edmonton when they won seven in a row or something? I don't know. But we talked about Edmonton winning the Stanley Cup before. We've definitely done it, and it wasn't this week. And uh, and so, maybe just, it was I'll, after. I'll it it was probably. I think it was after. I'll tell you one. It was after they fired Woodcroft and they started to play a little better. Probably. On the yeah. So, I, and I know uh, Edmonton's now become, you know, there's kind of these like these five teams clustered together to have the lowest odds to win the Stanley Cup. And like you've got Boston in there and you've got Florida in there and you've got Colorado in there and the Rangers still have a pretty low price. I think Florida's really, really, really interesting to get back to the Stanley Cup and maybe win. But like we're far away from having to make those decisions. It's not like the price is, you know, particularly high right now. I'm, uh, I'm, I think I'm always, if Edmonton's going to be this, and I mean, like stylistically and not who their best player is because he's the best player, but just like the way they win and the way they play, uh, they don't make any sense as a Stanley Cup champion. And they didn't make any sense last year. And I said the same thing, just like the <laughs> equality. And Jeremy Roenick said this a little bit when he came on yesterday, the idea of like learning about your team through playing in close games, being like a really, really, really good asset to have going into the postseason. I, I don't like I think needs to be amplified as much as possible. Like if you're trying to bet a team to win the Stanley Cup, it's it's much better to bet the team that wins like three two grinding it out every night than betting the team that wins five one like looking really flashy, scoring a lot of goals on the power play. Um, that drug come playoff time has been predictive for decades. And that's one of the reasons why Vegas was so appealing last year because they won that way. They won with the grindy one goal games. And Edmonton doesn't win that way. They don't play any one goal games. They don't play close games against most teams. And that really hurts when you make the playoffs. Uh, they're not going to win the Stanley Cup this year if, the, if it keeps up like this. I think they have about no chance. Um, I, I think it's going to be really fascinating to watch. Like, McDavid's awesome. Dreisaitl's awesome. Hyman's awesome. They've got really good players, right? There's Brunton, Corey Perry. Roenick talked about that yesterday on the show. Goaltending and, like, defense has really always been the issue for this team because they're, they're always going to be able to score, like, maybe, like, six goals a game in the playoffs. Playoffs. Uh, but they're always going to have the offense. It's always been, like, they're going to let up a billion goals. If, if Skinner is, like, kind of turned into something different here, and, like, this is not me saying he's going to win the Vezina, but if he's going to turn into something different and he's going to like stand on his head the rest of the season, he's going to be awesome. And he enters the postseason on that that type of run. Um, I, I think it's going to be a really fun conversation to have when we're like on like the eve of the NHL playoffs. Like, can Edmonton actually do it this year if their goalie's awesome to go along with like the awesome skill position players that they have, like the awesome scorers, etc. But we won't know that coming up for a couple months. It's possible. I mean, my I I would just say. Uh... Linus Olmark won the Vesna last year. Bruins had the best tandem of goaltenders, uh, and they were eliminated quite early in the tournament. And the Vesna winner, which, you know, to be fair, Skinner's not going to win it, but the idea is if you have the best goalie, what happens? We see that that winner eliminated early all the time. My issue with Edmonton is not the defense and the goaltending. I agree with you. Like, you're right. I But what I disagree with is that by fixing those things, that's how they win. The type of game that they play like prohibits them from winning the Stanley cup. Like they can, the, Stuart Skinner could stop every shot from now until May. And that's still true because they will honestly, if he stops every shot from now until May, they're going to blow out a lot of teams. Familiarity with close games is the trade that they don't have because of the style that they play. And in my opinion, goaltending and defense aren't going to fix that. Just for bleeps and giggles, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here. If you don't have a good answer, totally fine. We can revisit it down the line. If you had to pick the Stanley cup champion right now, who would you take? Uh, Dallas or Florida. 
two two hockey hotbeds to, to original yeah. six cities. <laughs> Would have gone pretty well last year. For, one of the teams for, so. for, for, for Fort Lauderdale and Dallas. Yeah, I mean, with uh, with those with those two goalies and like uh, Paul Maurice is obviously you know he's like he's like second already all time and like like career like games coached in the NHL. He's like forty five yeah. or something. He's been coaching forever. Uh, anyway, all right. And uh, always, the hockey conversations are always fun on the show. We'll have more hockey conversations with bets for tonight coming up in a moment. Tyler Morales is standing by with a college basketball bet for tonight, and we'll roll through tonight's slate in the NBA. But before we give you our bets for tonight, we need our friend Jake the Snake to kindly drop that dope-ass beat. How about our friends over at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM's got their Refer a Friend program. Sign into your account, click on the Promotions tab, and a few simple steps, you and your buddy will receive a $100 bonus. Details can be found at BetMGM.com, so download the BetMGM app and start winning with the king of sportsbooks. Let's start with Tyler. Tyler, what do you have for us tonight on the uh, the old round ball in college basketball? Well, we're going to hope the old round ball goes in tonight because I got Arizona, Oregon State over 148 and a half. Arizona really runs it up on these bad teams. 182 points against Stanford, 181 against Cal, 159 against USC, who is brutal now. Arizona needs like a good offensive performance kind of after a couple of back-to-back stinkers against UCLA, Washington State, and enters one of the worst Pac-12 defenses, Oregon State. So I I thought about laying the 18 and a half. I just, I just think uh, Arizona's going to really set the pace here, and this could be a track meet. So I decided for uh, take the over 148 and a half. Also like the team total, which is over, it was over uh, 83 and a half, which I just think Arizona's going to score a ton. So that's so that's the game over. It seems like always like a pretty safe bet, Arizona, to score a lot of points in college hoops. All right, that's the college basketball bet from Tyler. Ken, what do you have for us tonight? You can, like, give us a mishmash, start with one sport. I, I got a couple in both. Oh, love a good love a good mishmash. I'll go quick here because I, I think the last couple times I've only given you, like, 30 seconds, and I think you like more than I do. Uh, I have one bet in, in hockey tonight. Don't really need to talk about what's going on with the Philadelphia Flyers and their goalie Carter Hart, who took a leave of absence. Uh, how does this affect play on the ice? Samuel Erson, who's, like, kind of like I got a little bit of love for the Calder trophy. Like I'm good on that goalies never win that. And if they do, they're amazing and he's not amazing. He's just pretty good. So way out on that. Um, he's going to have to start playing way, way more. And as his fatigue goes up uh, the type of game that I think the flyers are going to play uh, becomes much different. And I really like the over tonight against Detroit. Who's an over team anyway. So six and a half, I, the flyers need this game desperately. And I don't know if they're going to get it. It's kind of a pick them kind of number, but I like the over in the game. And then in the NBA, uh, pretty contrarian and goes against the bet we made the other night. Uh, we loved, I, I love the Celtics. We ended up betting them against Dallas at a really, really short number. Now with players out for Miami, Hawkes and Kevin Love, uh, I'm going to wait until the last second and bet Miami because boy, they, boy, they never give the Celtics any trouble in these games. Uh, plus eight and a half, I think is the number that you're going to get in a home game against Boston. And like, yeah, Boston's the best team in the league. I just think it's like a really big number against a team has a ton of familiarity with them. So uh, like the heat plus the points and you should wait until the last second. You'll get the best number, probably eight and a half. And then I uh, like the over with the Flyers and the Red Wings. Uh, I have I have the so I have a bet in the Flyers game so I'll get to that also I also like the Miami Heat tonight so Miami in the midst of a losing streak right now lose last night to the Memphis Grizzlies and Eric Spolster after the game saying it's just one of those like weird stretches in an NBA season that like you can't explain in an 82 game season this sort of thing happens right um, my thought is tonight it's the same thought that you have Ken is that Miami coming back tonight hosting the Celtics a huge number in this game there's no coach well. 
yeah, maybe there's like no coach in the NBA that you would trust more to push the right buttons in a spot like this. I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat won this game tonight. I'm not going to bet them to win the game. I think this is going to be close at the very end. I love getting all these points with the Miami Heat tonight, so give me the Miami Heat. I will also, Ken, and I have, uh, I'm refreshing here just in case there's any injury stuff that I may have missed. Uh, let's go to this, um, this Timberwolves-Nets game here, where I guess like the big news is Ben Simmons is going to play next week for the Nets, which is really funny. Um, the Nets are kind of unraveling in a big way. Lost to the Knicks the other night, obviously, like blew that fourth quarter lead. Blew the game. Knicks fans, I mean, crazy like, totally... blown lead. Yeah, right. And, and Knicks outscored them by fourteen in the fourth quarter. And like Nets, it's it just it's a it's a bad brew right now for the Brooklyn Nets locally here. Jock Vaughn is starting to get questioned. Some of his rotations, like keeping like scorers on the bench in favor of Dennis Smith Jr., like ridiculous stuff. The Timberwolves got off the Schneid in their last game following the sixty-two point Carl Anthony Towns loss to the Charlotte Hornets. I think they keep it rolling here, even on the second half of a back-to-back. I'll lay the three and a half with the Timberwolves on the road at the Brooklyn Nets, and uh, I'll play this angle here. Now, Wes Unsell Jr. didn't get fired, but he was. Was quote unquote reassigned to the front office. Like Brian Keith. Yeah, like, like Brian Keith, who sounds like a kid I went to grade school with, some Irish kid from Queens, takes over now as the head coach, interim head coach for the Washington Wizards. I'll play the Wizards tonight, plus seven and a half at home against the Utah Jazz. So the Wolves laying it at the Nets, Wizards plus the points, Heat plus the points. I'll actually play the Flyers to win the game tonight. They killed one of their former goaltender, Alex Lyon. Give me the Flyers to win. And I'll play the Blackhawks to beat the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Mrazic starting for Chicago just got the contract extension and Edmonton starting its backup goalie. So a lot of bets coming up for tonight. Uh, Ken, hope you have a great night. I'll talk to you tomorrow on Friday. Until we meet again, dear listener and dear viewer, I'm Nick Costos wishing you minimal sweats, winning bets, the absolute very best of luck. Thanks for listening to You Better You Bet. Up next, it's BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors? But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com.